What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 184 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Bertvek. I am your host, and yeah, I'm here to to have a little chat with someone about music because that's what I do. I don't know what I'm talking about this week. Um, I'm going to try and keep this intro really, really brief because. It's been a bit of a a shit week for me personally. I'm not going to go into it too much. So I'm just going to let this interview play out because it was a really fucking cool chat that I had. Um, Just as always, I'd like to give a quick shout out to some music I've been listening to this week. There's been some fucking rad releases that came out on Friday. Um, uh, The new Regional Justice Centre record, Crime and Punishment, really fucking cool. Go check that out. Uh... There's a band, like a doom shoe, black gaze, shoe gaze band called Seed. Um, they're, but they're, I think it's their debut full length. Highly recommend going and check that out if you like sort of like sludgy kind of shoegazy sort of stuff. Um, yeah, that's kind of, oh, and the new Wolf King. Go check that out. Really, really cool sort of black and hardcore stuff. So that's all I'm going to shout out this week. Um, yeah. Just going to go straight into this week's guest. So this week, uh, I'm joined by guitarist of grindcore power violence band uh, Closet Witch, Alex Christ. Um, this one took me a while to kind of get to. Admittedly, I reached out to the band uh, ages ago, and then there's just sort of time lapses, me being an idiot and forgetting to get back to them, um, and so on and so forth. But we finally got it sorted, and it was awesome to sit down with Alex. Like, he was... Yeah, just a real gent and really nice to, to chat to. Um, we discussed kind of getting into to music through new metal, obviously how kind of being in a band and sort of finding a bit of success and then kind of going back to DIY in some aspects was kind of where he really found a bedding and rooting into sort of what he wanted to do musically. Um, we go on a little bit of a tangent about video games as well. So yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Alex. And I'll see you on the other side. So joining me this week on the Justin Inside podcast is guitarist of power violence band Closet Witch, Alex Christ. Alex, thank you very much for, for joining me. Um, how's everything in in your world at the moment? Obviously, I know strange times for everyone, but how have you kind of been keeping busy with yourself? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I've been... Staying uh, not very busy, to be honest with you. I've just uh, <laughs> been working quite a bit. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, touring is not an option. So hmm. we've been working on a new record, but that's been a little slow. So I've been kind of doing some uh, side projects of my own, which are just not music related. But okay. I've, been, I've been staying busy in that sense. But uh, it's been pretty dull. I don't know. How, how about you? How about you? I mean, kind of the exact same. So, like I've told many people on this. So before everything locked down, I was doing tour management. That was my job, and obviously that completely disappeared. And mm. it's just been, yeah, it's kind of frustrating things. But I managed to to pick up a like a night shift job at, our, at my local supermarket, and it's tidied me over and kind of kept me in some sort of routine and kept me sane. The, so, the struggle is fucking real, man. The struggle yeah, is fucking yeah. real. 
Uh, real quick, am I, I allowed to curse on this? I did not. Oh, of course. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sorry course. about that. Should have uh, asked before. <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely fine. Um, obviously, like we'll get into stuff with Closet Witch, as you mentioned, kind of like you were kind of gearing up for to write the next record and stuff like that. But I always kind of like to start at the beginning and kind of what got people sort of going. So how I kind of always open this up is like, what got you into alternative music? What was your kind of first exposure to it? Um. So I grew up in a very conservative household. And so mm. it was very, um, if it weren't Christian music, it was probably not allowed in the house at all, <laughs> okay. which was devastating to me as a child. Uh, I didn't know any better, actually. Uh, mm. And uh, what happened to me was I had a friend on the school bus who would uh, burn me these CDs and we wouldn't label any of the CDRs. Um, so I'd get the parental advisory CDs from him. And the first, I'm ashamed but not a shame because it's who I am. Uh, but the, the first metal band that really got me into like really appreciating distorted guitar and stuff like that was Limp Bizkit. And then quickly, quickly to Korn and then quickly to Deftones. And then it was over from there for me yeah, with, yeah. with heavier stuff. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it was just a fun journey as a kid. And uh, I remember like listening on uh, the radio. The first time I heard Deftones was uh, back to school and I thought it was I thought it was Limp Biscuit, and I was like, "This is the coolest new song." And then, and then I was like, "Oh wow, uh, Deftones is a way better band than Limp Biscuit." And then it was a it was a downhill spiral from there. I was a new metal kid through and through. Still am. Yeah. I still love Corn. I'm on a heavy, heavy Corn <laughs> kick right now. Out of nowhere, it was just like, "Oh, I haven't listened to Fall of the Leader in forever. Let's listen to." 40 times in a row and yeah yeah i'm, I'm still I think, doing that <laughs> i think a lot of people especially like over the last year or so have definitely kind of gone back to like comfort music and like what they kind of grew up on and stuff so oh, yes. like, i was the same like um like life is peachy was the one for me so like that was like going going back to that record oh, yeah. i and, need to uh, i've been on a heavy kick of follow the leader and issues were the two for me life is yeah. peachy i didn't discover until like way later i didn't know there was a record before that and so oh, okay so i was i knew of course of like uh, adidas is on that right yeah and twist i knew you knew i knew of those because of like the greatest hits so to speak but i never actually yeah. had a copy of that record until way way down the line um and then what really fucked my world up was we had this thing um i used to live in arkansas for a, a while called uh hastings which was this giant like multimedia store and like had a huge huge used cd section and i saw uh nine inch nails broken the cover of it didn't know nice. what the fuck that was at all just thought it was the coolest thing in the world bought it for i i want to say like five bucks or some shit and <laughs> that completely just like open oh man that's still one of the heaviest uh loudest records of all time oh man broken by nine inch nails sorry i yeah, could just yeah. go on it you want to just talk no, about no, new no. metal all day because i could just go on forever <laughs> but i love it yeah it started there and hastings uh i would go around the uh just the different shelves and if i really i hate to judge a book by its cover but if it had a cool album art, art mm. album cover i'm probably gonna buy it um, well, that's the thing like back in those days it was like obviously pre kind of what the internet is now oh, like, that's how how people consumed music like 
if you saw like it was either you had like the for fans of stickers uh-huh. or it was just like a really kick-ass bit of artwork and you were like yeah i'm 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 in on this like they... that was like me with like pantera vulgar display oh, of power yeah. oh yeah like that that imagery is just like so fucking sick and so... uh they they never they would have those scan things where like here you could sample listening the headphones were always ripped apart. You could like never hear what was going on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's how I bought a lot of my music as a kid was just like, I hate to be that guy, but that, that is how we consumed that media as, as mm. kids. And uh, yeah, I uh, discovered uh, Smashing Pumpkins that way. That's how I got into Tool. I became a Tool kid for a while where it was just like, oh, this is math, rock, and scientific metal. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> he sounds smart. <laughs> So in terms of like, because you say coming up like from quite a conservative family, like I don't know, you kind of have to like broach it with your family and be like, yeah, I kind of like this other stuff. Or did you kind of keep it hidden in some aspects? Uh, I had to keep it hidden. And eventually they would go through my stuff. Um, I had to explain to them who Slipknot was. That was a, <laughs> that was a rough one because that was when uh, I want to say Iowa had just came out. And yeah. that had uh, people equal shit. I'm pretty sure it's on that, right? And <laughs> yeah. just my mom's like, it, it used to be the best thing back in the day was like, it's just yelling and screaming. You can't understand what they're saying. Yeah. Corey Taylor is actually pretty good at screaming and you oh, understand yeah. what he's saying. <laughs> so my mom's not buying that at all. So I got those taken away. Um, the t-shirts were always uh, either uh, burned up or thrown out. There was that, it, so it was definitely a secretive thing until about fifteen, and then mm. they just gave up, and it was just <laughs> it was free game from there. Um, that's where I definitely got into like actually playing DIY shows and understanding what the music scene was. Um, mm. But yeah, until like the age of fifteen, it was pretty much like what I could get from friends because internet. Oh, I had internet, but it wasn't like. You know, it's not like today. Yeah, these kids don't know. But uh, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> like uh, it was. MySpace was definitely not even a thing yet. So finding new bands was rough. It was just kind of like word of mouth, I think. Mm. So so then, like going off from kind of like the new metal sort of side of things to stuff that's maybe a bit more in line with what you you started to play and are playing now, like. Where did that path go to kind of finding that more sort of heavier, kind of faster sort of influence stuff? Um, I've always been drawn to just angsty guitar riffs in general. I don't really, Mm. it doesn't really quite matter what genre they actually are. If you got a little grit to your tone, I'm probably going to be like, ooh, like, like uh, My Sharona by The Knack. It's not yeah. like necessarily a heavy song, but that dude's tone is fucking oof, <laughs> yeah. oof. Like, I don't know. So like songs like that can really like, I spear off influence from that. But I guess like where it really started for me is uh, when I was 19, uh, I took over uh, booking for a local venue here in town. And that really opened the door of like uh, all sorts of music that I've never heard of. And at one time hmm. would be like, I don't even consider this music, which is a, a terrible thing. It, you, you grow a lot as you get older, mm. and especially with music. Like, it's easy to hear something with a, a closed mind and be like, this is bad. And then as you grow as a musician, you start to realize, like a great example, which I'm sure you know, the band Psyopus. 
I think we can yeah. both agree musical fucking geniuses. But <laughs> yeah. to the absent-minded and not uh, who haven't been enlightened to music theory <laughs> would hear it as absolute garbage. And when I was a kid, it was <laughs> yeah. just noise. And I didn't understand Siobhan's at all. And I remember being like, this is kind of bunk. I don't know what, what this is. And now today I hear uh, anything they put out. It's just like, this is so beyond its time. Like it was, I don't know. But uh, there was a band called, they were originally called Sender Receiver. Okay. From here in the US. Uh, they got pretty recognized, like some pretty good recognition going. Uh, they were later turned their name to Ring Bear. And then they went on to like form a new band with members of see you next tuesday if you're film oh, nice. with that band and so it's yeah, like this, yeah. the diy circuit especially from michigan is this weird like especially in grind it's a very like interconnected and it has a very weird connection to iowa as well so a lot mm. of like all those bands anyway uh that band showed me glass beats for the first time in person right uh showed me that a two-piece could play with a wall of amps and just like one guitar is running like five full stacks it was the most insane shit i'd ever seen um <laughs> yeah. ring bearer for sure opened my like mind of like real extreme music like i was i was familiar with converge and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i always thought like jane doe was heavy as shit but i didn't understand even as a kid like oh that's a, what a blast beat is and then once you yeah. see it in person like that's when it's like oh <laughs> yeah. wow so uh ring bearer uh was a huge, huge influence for me for extreme music, for sure. Especially for mm -hmm. like what Closet Witch is doing today. Uh, that I'm not sure I would have followed that path if I hadn't seen that live performance. Yeah. So they did a lot. So in terms of you playing guitar, like, was it something that you always wanted to do? Or did you kind of dabble with any other instruments before you kind of landed on guitar? Like, where did that kind of come into it? I just think I really enjoy the idea of like being loud. Um, <laughs> right. it's, it's part of the thing that like is carried on throughout just being a kid. I don't think it's more about like where other guitarists are like, I can do this and diddly D and like, here's these sweepy <laughs> sweepies. And doesn't this look cool? It's like, yeah, it looks cool. It sounds cool. But I really, at the end of the day, just really want to play loud. And mm. so I think that was the real motivation. I don't know if I ever was just like, this is the instrument for me because I, I dabble a little bit. In, I, I think if you play guitar, you play a little bit of bass too, but um, yeah. I just kind of did it uh, to be obnoxious that young kid and being like, Oh, I have a guitar now. This is what I'm going to do. And I was really into like art before and started to kind of stray away from that because my parents were like, you have to be an artist. And once your parents tell you, you have to do something, you're like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and so yeah. I had to find another outlet and that's that's really what it was it quickly became just this very um positive outlet for me at the time mm. and so when i was a kid it was just like i would dump hundreds of hours into just writing and i never really learned a lot of covers it was all mm. self-taught too and it was just like dinking around and just having fun so like that's where like a lot of other guitar players i feel like yeah you're like structurally and the what you're putting down theoretically is amazing and i i tip my hat to you your skill is phenomenal but i'm not hearing you sometimes like i'm not hearing yeah yeah you're like you coming out of your notes i guess it's hard to explain until you've no, like i get what you mean like yeah. they're kind of it's almost like they're doing it 
to perfection in some mm-hmm. aspects. Like they're they're doing it more as a like with a music theory brain rather than like actually like feeling their instrument. And yeah, yeah, just kind like of going it that way. Your soul actually out of the on the fretboard out of the guitar. I know it sounds a little ridiculous to say, and I'm not like slamming anybody. Like there's bands that are like strive on being technically good. And I can really admire that. Um, I'm not saying that those bands are bad or that I don't listen to those bands, but it's just like, I, it just doesn't connect to me with exploring why I play music personally. Like that Mm. just seems like the least appealing thing. (laughs) um would be perfect would be perfect yeah like that's not punk i guess like that's where i guess like that's the punk roots of me comes out where like i'm also some i'm like yeah i'm a punk as i'm like until i was like 15 i was pretty conservative (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah just uh it's a a different unique approach and i think everybody has their own grasp on it so it's really it's interesting Mm. i think the important thing is not to immediately shun somebody for that aspect and like try and like learn from that because dudes that yeah i mean if you're technically that good you have something to share you have great ideas still so i want to i want to learn from that but i also think you should vice versa a little bit and check that out too i'm sorry that was a very long-winded answer for no 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 you're absolutely fine and just seems that like going back to like your conservative family obviously like you said there like your parents kind of like not necessarily pushing the artist sort of thing, but obviously saying like that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. But you wanting to do guitar, when once you kind of like started playing guitar and as you say, like writing from an early age, did they encourage? Were they encouraging and supportive of that, or was it just kind of like your thing? Um, no. My uh, one thing I will definitely clarify is they were always since day one very supportive of whatever mm. I got into. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have had as a kid my first guitar if my parents didn't buy me my first guitar. Yeah. So that's absolutely true. And like um, (laughs) a few years ago, we opened for Full of Hell in Des Moines and my parents got tickets and showed up and sat in the back. I mean, mean, it's awesome. It's just uh it's just a bummer because we're so spread out. I don't get to see them very often, but they've Mm. they've supported they buy shirts on our, from cool. our merch store and whatnot or like the other day uh, uh wake brewery did like a release with like we weren't selling them my mom's like how can i get one i was like oh i can't i can't just hook you up this time like and she's like oh no no give me the link to to buy it and everything so <laughs> it was awesome and i had to get uh my dad used to work at a brewery when we lived in michigan and so like when we actually got our first beer like made it was just like surreal like i had to had to give him one like you you have these collection of all these beers you made like here's here's your son's band's beer it was like one of those <laughs> yeah. moments of like yes <laughs> that's cool but yeah they've always they've always supported and always like cared and like i can't think of countless situations actually of like being young and on the road and being like okay we're fucked like help <laughs> help they've always and when when it's like really back against the wall help like they've always okay yeah. what, what you need what's going on how do we get you home <laughs> why is the is, <laughs> why is the van not working <laughs> was it one of those things kind of like when especially especially when you were younger like they may not kind of like understood what it was but they obviously saw that it was bringing you kind of like oh yeah. creativity and happiness mm-hmm. sort of thing that kind of thing. i think they were happy at the time that i wasn't just like going out getting wasted and causing a huge ruckus i was sitting in a basement for 
immediately after school till like 11 midnight uh just diddling on a guitar and yeah. and talking about touring and so i think that they were more like well at least he's not you know going to jail yet <laughs> <laughs> i think their fears happen later on and not immediately so i mean it's just <laughs> it's whatever it's whatever yeah but uh <laughs> so then in terms of kind of like you mentioned like you kind of got into sort of like the diy kind of aspects sort of like from quite a young age sort of like 15 sort of thing mm -hmm. so like how did you kind of discover that kind of side of things was it like friends showing you stuff telling you that shows were going on was it quite an active scene where you were no actually it was a completely dead scene where i was okay. I, I didn't understand um music out past the idea of big bands signed to big labels thus yeah. once they're signed they're set for life um and to get there that means you play bars only and you play right. bar shows and you do covers covers are what big bands do that was my mentality as a kid um and that yeah. was the mentality of our area too uh then some smaller bands kind of popped up um, I moved real real quick to kind of fill you in. I moved around a lot as a kid and I ended right, up okay. in Iowa around actually 15. That That's kind of another reason why the parents were kind of like, we're checking out. We have been moving around. <laughs> you're on your own. There's no trouble you're going to get into in Iowa, which isn't true. But uh, that, I think that was their mentality. They were like, we lived in all these big cities. Surely you can handle Keokuk, Iowa, just fine. <laughs> yeah. um, so there were some small bands that started, and like I was playing in bands before that. So I was eager to find kids here and start up stuff. So there was like a few small projects going that would like realistically maybe once or twice a year scrape up enough money to or find somebody who's willing to have the space to let us throw a show. It was normally hmm. like five bands show up, some outer towners, and we get like a few kids down here. But that was about it. And then uh, a gentleman moved from Michigan as well, uh, named Bryce Zirkel, and he brought the epitome of why DIY ethos is even in Keokuk, Iowa, is because of him. And he okay. he taught me like, no, this is okay. First off, you you say you want to play shows. You, do you know what a house show is and i'm just like what would be a house show at all and like that that premise just like house show what <laughs> combined and so it's just like so foreign to me he explained everything I'm like no touring's like this touring's like you're lucky if you sleep in a bed what is a bed and what, what like you're lucky <laughs> yeah. to find a, a nice carpeted floor let alone concrete and like this is touring and so uh he and uh him he taught us me and a lot of other people is what i was trying to say uh basically those ground rules and what to do mm. and i i could confidently say that was almost 16 years ago still in contact with most of those people still doing the same diy grind today no one's That's cool. no one has straight from that group as far as i know no one's strayed from that path and so cool. it, it is really tight to uh, have that foundation. And he was the person who fronted the money and actually opened a, a venue here in town. Like we, we had never had an, a venue that did not serve alcohol. It mm. was just like more open to like, these are shows that have 
for kids to come to not for like i mean adults are welcome of course but this is like yeah, yeah. all ages venue all like the first of its kind that i know of mm. um and that that made it about shit i want to say that lasted about five years before mm. you know just times are rough i think actually like the the problem with that was like local bands uh they're just yeah it wasn't like a sadly it wasn't a passed down thing it was as soon as kids started graduating high school they're shooting off to college so it was like every drummer went off to college somewhere so the band was dead in the water and so like but sadly no like freshmen in high school or even like middle or whatever no it didn't seem to pass on to it and that was kind of a bummer we couldn't really get onto another younger generation to be like hey Mm. pick up the torch you know we need you to bring some of your friends and then you're going to see great bands and you're going to discover what we discovered and that was kind of the problem for our area yeah yeah i think it's kind of similar to where i am on the on the south coast of england so i used to book shows with my uh, an ex-partner of mine like years and years ago Mm -hmm. and then someone kind of like kind of took over from us a little bit and started doing house shows but he was at like a university student so as soon as he graduated uni, like he left the area and then nobody picked up the shows yeah, from him. Yeah. And then our scene essentially went dead. So you have to travel if you want to go to shows. And oh, yeah. like, so yeah, I, I can totally relate. In yeah. That aspect. For right now, um, another friend of mine eventually reopened another venue that got shut down. It, it seems to be in Keokuk, at least for like my area, uh, it, it does seem to if the the city is not so keen on the idea you can't really do it um mm. in the the sense of what is quote unquote the right way to do it the legal way yeah. to do it and so it seems like everything that's kind of started up quickly gets kind of brushed under the rug um but besides that yeah uh the no- nearest place is iowa city for me that's still an hour and a half one way drive to see a show yeah normally the biggest shows happen in uh the quad well did happen in the quad cities that's still about a three hour one-way drive so that's pretty much mm-hmm. like if you're gonna go to a show you're like hoping one of your pals in the qc is gonna let you crash on their floor before you <laughs> yeah. drive home uh that that was always brutal and closet which first started up it was really hard to well first off like every weekend was already booked with like bigger bands and whatnot so we would get offers of like hey tuesday i got this like sick metal band cutting through but can you like open the show and like come all the way to the quad cities do that and then like the next morning i get, i would like sleep in the parking lot at work for like 30 minutes because i just showed up at like 6 30 oh, i gotta be at work at seven and like we did that grind for like the first two years it was pretty regular of like weekday shows we played so many like tuesday thursday shows um and that was just our grind for a long time just like doing whatever we could and then just a lot of traveling there's no like we all three of our all four of us sorry we come from three different cities right um but all three cities really don't have a whole lot going on there's Mm. blips here and there but nothing that was steadily like every weekend something's going on or a touring band would want to come through the area that's not gonna happen yeah and just because like i don't really know sort of like 
well, I know like American geography a little bit, but I don't know sort of like the ins and outs of like the states and things. And like oh, yeah. my my like re- relationship with Iowa itself is obviously one Slipknot. <laughs> always, two, always. <laughs> yeah. And two, weirdly, I'm not sure if you're a wrestling fan, but there's a wrestler called Seth Rollins who's from Davenport, Iowa. Uh, they're like, so they're like my two points of reference. But like, in terms of like, as, as you've kind of touched upon, like the scene in general, like what was it like, not necessarily for Closet Witch, because it's a bit later down the line, but when you were first starting like making music and starting bands was it hard to find a foothold where to play like was it just because as you say like these people were putting on smaller shows did was it harder to kind of find that foothold uh it is hard uh booking shows is hard in iowa for sure but in a really unique way and i'm going to actually like do a, hopefully a little mind bending here for you uh, <laughs> to explain Iowa in the best way is to actually bring up Seth Rollins and Seth okay. Rollins used to actually wrestle with our drummer. He used to be, oh, yeah. And so this was a small town kid in the area, a QC wrestling scene. It was the same thing. It's the same DIY uh, ethic or ethos. And so it would be small town shows all over and the heart of Iowa's, uh, DIY scene is the same mentality. Everybody mm. helps everybody. And so, yeah, it can be difficult to get a show going. But the thing is, you have so many people wanting to work together. And there's no, like, I've been a part of several different scenes, but now today in Iowa, there's no more, like, okay, here's the metal kids, here's the punk kids, here's the goth rock kids, the pop kids, pop punk mm. kids. It's now, Iowa is no barriers it's if i'm booking a show i need bands that one i can rely on and two that like people do want to like actually have a connection with and want to see and want to have like a good reputation in the scene i think that's another thing that's like really important right now like you do want to book a lot of shows well when we can start booking a lot of shows again Mm. uh your reputation is like very important and like how you present yourself and how you interact with people is really important so to be frank if you're a fucking dickhead they aren't gonna book you man so like you just gotta be fucking <laughs> cool and so i closet which especially i did notice that like the the audience connection is very important like if people mm. are like they feel something i played in a lot of bands i played in a lot of bands that have never gotten the reaction like closet witch i've played mm. in bands that closet witch would strive to have you know like in in vice versa um it's just different worlds so it's hard to explain like here's you know there's no right or wrong answer because i've had several other projects that i'd love to like be on the same level as all my projects but like clearly there's a right formula to each thing but when it comes down to iowa's uh baseline ethics is like we've played with psych rock bands we've played with acoustic acts before like we it is striving to just get a group of friends together to have a good time. Not mm. where it once was like, where's the best metal show? Because I, I don't want any posers here. I want the metal heads <laughs> here. And it's just like, nah, man, I just want like, it, yo, like come and have a good time and just fucking hang out. And so like, I don't know, to me, the real kids get kind of weeded out fast. Like one of the coolest fucking things ever was, uh, I want to say like two years ago, uh, full of hell hit me up and they were like hey mm. 
we're about to do this tour with gate creeper we need like one date that lines up in iowa can you like help me out and it's like i'll help you out but i'm not we're not selling tickets it's 10 bucks at the fucking door we're not making it any more expensive than that and it's just going to be super straightforward they're like fuck yeah no problem like that's OG yeah, yeah. shit where it's just like we're like well beyond that like but it's like yeah we're really let's do whatever has to be fucking done and everything worked out in the end anyway i don't know like yeah yeah i guess that was kind of our mentality with booking too like i think something that like immediately scares off a promoter you're reaching out to help book you is like i also need like a 200 guarantee and like mm. yeah I, I understand it from like that perspective of like oh shit now we have like a dollar amount attached to my word but then like i always approach it where it's like yo just give us a fair cut of the door do what you can do let's just work together and now all of a sudden we have this connection between me and this promoter where like there is no expectations other than like please have a pa and a place i can actually plug (laughs) in my amp and i think everything's going to be good and now the weight has been lifted from that promoter's shoulders in my opinion to i think they're going to do a better job they're not sitting there like stressing the fuck out now they're like oh this band's chill as fuck and that makes it like a good atmosphere for a show and i think a lot of people like skip over that and that has a lot to do with like getting your foot in the door so to speak uh is that a formula you got to follow and you're going to get guaranteed whatever no but i guess that's what happened for us where it was just like Mm. be be chill that's like the best advice i can fucking give stop giving a fuck and just like write what you want to write and if people like it that's super cool and if they don't it's even better like do fucking you and that's the most important thing if it's successful whatever that is yeah. my answer to getting in the door of DIY music. <laughs> <laughs> so then you've mentioned kind of like the various projects you've been in like prior to Closet Witch. So rather than like go like blow by blow, but like was there, what would you say is kind of like the first band that you were part of that was like quote unquote a proper band, like one that you were kind of like doing regular shows or maybe going on your first tour? Like what was that band? Uh, my first band that played like, pretty regularly regularly uh was a band called uh garage which was just like a made-up word it was like a metalcore band okay. um like it, it was fun it didn't really get any like notoriety or anything like that but like that was the first taste of like i have a show friday saturday like every weekend for the next mm. two months because we're going out on little towns but we never toured and then i ended up uh hooking up with a friend of mine through the venue i was talking about before a buddy of mine who played for a band called renee in illinois he had a band from his hometown that their guitar player just left he's like if you they tour all the time if you want to do it so like i auditioned did the whole nine yards got the part toured with them for a few years um and that was like my first real like exposure to what road life is what road Mm. um what not to do in a band and (laughs) uh the first time of like what i would consider like okay here's big shows where it's just like you're i'm not only am i expected to deliver for myself like i need to be good here other people are really relying on me to deliver good parts and play well and so that was Mm. like my first experience there and i did that for a couple years um between you and I, and I guess your entire podcast, it was the fakest thing I'd ever done. I felt really like pushed into a box. 
I played, I, I am friends with them, but it was felt more like these are my coworkers and I show up for right, work every okay. week and it didn't feel natural. And that's what I meant. Like where I learned everything not to do in a band from that band. Mm. So taking that experience and then after, before I joined that band was when our local scene basically fell apart. And that's kind of why okay. I branched out. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. once I came back to town, that's where I like started focusing on doing projects that, you know, were a little bit outside the box and um, trying to approach it with like a more open mind where before, and like going back to what Bryce had taught me, I, I think I strayed away. I got really uh, headstrong to tour and just the mm. idea of like getting on the road and like, going overseas and doing stuff was like cool so it was just like I think I got a little headstrong of like forgot what I wanted to really do as like the punk in me slash like what I really wanted to do for my DIY scene and how I could give Mm. back rather than like I'm just gonna do music for me and so that started a couple other projects that eventually spiraled to what you know today yeah so was that band like as you say was that were they kind of doing like bigger venues yeah yeah was it like kind of like package tour they were an established band before like from like 1990 and i i I was like guitar player number eight out of a lineup of like (laughs) several after me that came and all that so um yeah they would uh, we would do like pretty big runs uh like one run was with arsonist get all the girls and see you next tuesday and attila when attila like first dropped on the scene mm. was a branch we've done like a bunch of shows with like um oh my god now i'm on the spot i'm trying to uh wisdom and chains strength for a reason right it's like pretty much like og tough guy hardcore uh mm. mad ball stuff like uh, this is hardcore festivals oh, okay. we play those kind of things um trying to think of like uh you know all their like uh knock not knocked loose but knock them dead was another uh yeah. band anyway but yeah it would it would do like pretty much i would be on the road for like a month or like about a month at a time if anything like nothing like too extreme as far as like i'm on the road 270 days but it was like pretty balanced of like on the road pretty consistently mm. and like in terms of that because i always find it interesting what people's kind of first sort of like exposures and thoughts of going on the road is like like did you kind of have any like preconceived ideas of like what touring would be like and was that kind of because like you say like let that that time like you learn not what not to do so were there kind of elements of it that like you weren't expecting tour to be like or did you, was it kind of more of a learning curve kind of thing? It was it was a learning curve for sure because it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, right. I think when I started that band Garage, those guys in that band, we were all really close. So to like get to the idea of touring, it was like this. It still kind of is. I hate it when people refer it to this, but like touring is like a little vacation because it's like oh no, it when, definitely is. I when it, when like it is, but then part of me is like, you've clearly never been on tour. But then it's just like yeah. it is kind of a vacation. But like as a as a kid before I had ever done it, definitely saw it that way. So when I got yeah. on the road with these guys, and I'm not trying to like talk bad, but it was just like I learned a lot of things real quick, and I was young. I was really young in a situation from a sheltered childhood to 
here you are like mm. you you fend for yourself so like i said i learned a lot of things of like just even handling life in general that was very uh was a very uh here's your here i'm handing it to you right now learning experience um but i think like the problem really was like we just like had uh very drastic different personalities and it came down to right. like i'm the drummer i'm the guitar player i'm the bass player i'm the vocalist period like we're not mm -hmm. anything really more than that so like it was hard to connect it was hard to tour it was hard to get motivated to write new stuff on a demanding schedule for a band that i like i the style of music i i'm I won't lie, like I do like Terror is one of my favorite bands. I fucking love Terror. But like I'm not like super into tough guy stuff. I kind of right. like being like the anti tough guy kind of thing, like hate breed. Um, I really dislike hate breed. Like the idea of that <laughs> band and that name just kind of bums me the fuck out. Um, but it's I understand the appeal. I understand like the Chug City, I'm fucking muscled up. Yeah and, yeah. and so a little bit of me did enjoy doing it, but it was just this weird like culture behind it too that was another eye-opening experience of like oh okay so like each scene brings its own kind of i don't want to use the word toxicity but it has its own type of people and in those yeah, people yeah, yeah. there are kind of toxic individuals that come with it and i hate to not wrap a, an entire genre that i think okay real quick i think the genre is definitely changing today i'm sorry i'm really hmm. going on oh, on and on no and you you're good um, you're good but uh, the new scene today, I think, is way more accepting. But back in the day when we were kids, uh, Tough Guy Hardcore was Tough Guy Hardcore. It was yeah. uh, fucking beating the shit out of each other in the pit just for the sake of beating the shit. I mean, that happens today. But I will say bands back then were more misogynistic. It was blatantly obvious. It was it never questioned. And so like, I, I learned really quickly I wasn't about that and didn't want to do this. And so it was an eye-opening experience of what the cost of trying to tour is versus uh, finding a band you're ready to tour with that you mm. actually want to spend time with. So that's yeah. very important. So then in terms, like you said, like after being in that band, it kind of like you sort of reassessed yourself and kind of what you wanted to do in terms of like the DIY community sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like DIY touring, like, had you have a bit more experience with that before Closet Witch or did that kind of happen when Closet Witch sort of started getting the ball rolling? I had always done a bunch of like side touring for either like playing backup for some country. I've, I've done like a lot of like backup bands for like country right. artists from the area. Um, so I've toured with that. I had some definitely had some experience under my belt, but as far as like full on like i booked the whole tour we do it all year uh i would say closet which would be my first real experience of like it was all on well i mean like that other band i was talking about had management of so it, it, to be honest i was more of a hired gun so i had this yeah. a, that absent mind of like i just play guitar and so like <laughs> in closet which it's like it's so much more than that like all four of us have very important roles that have to be done for us to continue and to strive um and to to do anything at all we have to all work together so um 
yeah, I guess I'm, I'm sorry. I, I kind of feel like I forgot the question now. <laughs> no, no, just just so just kind of like whether you'd kind of like gone on sort of like the more sort of DIY tours before sort of Closet Witch, or was that kind of where it kind of started? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So what I was getting at is just uh, not so hands on, where it was like. I, I, I would say every tour, every record, everything is purely the four of us. Like there was no real, other than like we hired an engineer to record this record. Yeah. But everything else, I've never been so hands-on, no. Uh, but I'd, mm. I'd done time on the road. But as far as like something so, uh, I, I think with like Clauser, which is definitely a mentality we had, well, from the beginning, it was supposed to be a joke to begin with. So that back okay. that backfired immediately, but like, <laughs> I mean, we're like we're grind kids from playing basements in Iowa, so like we're, we don't have much of a expectation on our plate. So like I said earlier, with like, um, I don't think a lot of other promoters or any other band I've been a part of, the person booking would be like, just have a PA, we'll make it work. Yeah. this is definitely the first band i've ever done that in where it's just like you know what uh, we're just gonna show up and if it fucking works it fucking works it works and if it doesn't well like well there's a show tomorrow we'll see you then you know <laughs> yeah. like that's definitely like the first time we it was like our true like let the hands of life and the magic of the earth just guide us and i think that was yeah, just like yeah. the free like it's it hasn't knock on wood until like a crazy pandemic happened hasn't really uh betrayed us so much and it's a very like positive attitude and like i said it like it really does connect between us and whoever is booking the show and it Mm. feels way more authentic than anything before because before it was so business oriented this time it's just like yo thank you for that fucking show where it's just like thank you for that show where's that 200 bucks now it's like (laughs) yo that was fun and just like i feel they're peace of mind if anybody's listening that books shows right now like their peace of mind is going to get you a better show i promise you Mm. that you're going to be happy there's going to be times where you're going to eat it but the times you eat it just remember that fucking show you said fuck it and then it went fucking ham and trust me it's gonna be fucking worth it (laughs) yeah and i think like it's quite interesting because as i said before like doing a bit of sort of tour management and stuff like I've seen sort of both sides of it where like I'm working with a band where they have got like guaranteed money, but they're touring with bigger bands. So like they do need to have, they've kind of almost got that. Like we have like a DIY like lifestyle and stuff, but because we're playing with a bigger band, we need to be a bit pushy for the money. But then I've done the complete opposite side of where it is like, you're playing a tiny show with like 50 people and it's loads of fun and you're just getting a door deal sort of thing. So it's, it's, I totally get what you mean. Mm -hmm. Like you do like, sometimes you do eat it, but like sometimes those are some of the best shows. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather, I think nine out of 9.9 out of 10 would rather just, I I just want to play for those 50 kids in that smaller venue. I don't think that they're like, I, I mean, I would definitely sit here and be like, fuck if like converge was like yo you you guys want to come out i'd be like oh okay um but like if, <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly like uh we've shot down a lot more than we've been like this is a band like where it's just like 
is this uh, well, i've never been in a band that's like had the ability to question like is this really who i am every other band hmm. was like any opportunity you fucking take it and now it's just like maybe i mean does it does it break our mentality our diy like mentality does it actually help us is there are we helping friends in this process or are we helping somebody who just you know what's going on here so like that was the first time we've ever been able to do that so that's i, I yeah. think that's really cool when we can take on like oh there's a huge rain benefit show we're gonna do um i would much rather play that show for free knowing where that money is going yeah yeah plus how many people are gonna have a great time versus oh uh our friends so and so offered us x amount every day to go on tour over here but we'd miss the show i don't know like i think i think i think most of us would lean towards uh doing the rain benefit show and like that that's another thing we've always been pretty adamant about like if it's we've set up tours specifically for like actually unfortunately a lot of events that got 20 uh canceled in 2020 but a lot of tours that it was like okay we literally are setting up a tour to you come play to this festival for free because it's this sick ass benefit Mm. who gives a fuck about the money the benefit's so important but these kids are gonna go fucking ham like it's so like that's i just want to go play a fucking show where people are excited and that's the show you want to be at not the one where Mm. it's like but we made bank okay well bank (laughs) didn't get the kid like who smashed my guitar on accident because they were having such a great fucking time like yeah you broke my shit but you're having a great time thank you like i'd I'd rather that happen you know so i don't know and you you mentioned uh, just a minute ago like closet which was kind of I'm so sorry. I'm going to I'm going to uh, my phone's going off. I don't know. Can you no, hear no, you're that? Cool, man. It's like No, no, I can't hear it. But Okay, cool, cool. Then ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, like you said that it was kind of like a bit of a joke. So can you elaborate on on so that like So the uh bass player and the vocalist for Closet Witch ran a venue in their hometown and that's how we all met because the drummer and I played in another band. Long story short, uh, we all met through the Muscatine scene, which is about two mm. hours north of here, by the way, if that kind of helps. Right. Um, and what happened was they were running this house venue in their house, if that made any sense, in their basement. And we would just get people that like, would come to the show and have a great time, but then they would get like so hammered. They just wouldn't know really like, yo, the show's over let's exit the premises now and like <laughs> yeah. the night is done my friend the night is done and like so that that conversation with anybody is kind of awkward to be i mean we're all kind of like non-social people so it's hard to be like please leave <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. our idea was we'll make a band that will play last and it'll be so fucking obnoxious that no one will want to stay. And even the drunk people would be like, I'm <laughs> fucking amazing. going. And that was another thing where it was like, where I was talking about being loud before. It's like, we're going to make this band really fucking loud. Like, even if mm. you're like enjoying yourself, it's going to be just painful. They'll like leave. And like I said earlier, that fucking backfired and they didn't <laughs> fucking leave. And then they really liked it. And we all, the ir- irony is we were all playing, all four of us were in another band. The other band was very serious. And then no one wanted to book that band anymore. And so okay. in Closet, which we were like, okay, this is our main band now. We thought it would be, at one point we like called Closet, which are like 
little little sister project like this little thing we're doing on the side and then nobody wanted to book the other band anymore so we we're like okay well this is fucking done i guess we're so was was the other band the same members as, as closet yeah um none of the recordings actually have the four of us on it but at the end of that band all four people that are in closet which were also in that band okay was what sort of style of music was that one uh, if you've ever heard of the band uh, death from above 1975 yeah 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 it yeah. was very much like that and so the who's the bass player and vocalist of closet witch were both the vocalists and so we had two vocalists i played bass but i did like four full stacks and then our drummer was right. the, dr the drummer can never not be the drummer they're stuck <laughs> at that position forever so that was our band before and it, it had some like notoriety like people did enjoy it it was a fun band it was a very like upbeat like it was a dance punk band that's what we kind of like right. called our genre was like dance punk and so it just had some like gritty vibes but like a little you shake your booty to it a little bit it was fun mm. like i do kind of miss it we played our last show ever on like new year's i want to say like maybe three years ago and destroyed cool. everything so we can't do it anymore but it was it was fun <laughs> it was a little neat idea and like it stems back once again like a lot of the friends who supported Muldoon's are like huge friends that are a part of closet which now so it's just this network of friends that just yeah that's iowa that's the ever-growing love of <laughs> yeah. iowa so in terms of like taking Closet Witch a bit more seriously, was it because just purely because more people were giving it more attention and wanting to book uh, the book, that band? Yeah, I mean, like you don't want to not play shows. I mean, Muldoon's was playing steadily, but once again, we fell into what I would, I hate to say because of the style of music we were playing, we were getting a lot more offers to play bars. Mm -hmm. And like, that was kind of a question of like, well, this is not what we really wanted to do anyway. And then when closet, which was so abrasive, I hate to say it like this, but it kind of brought out the kids that were a little bit more like, oh, you guys are playing extreme. You're playing real music now. We'll book you at the real shows. And then they're like, oh, that's <laughs> kind of what happened. And like it, uh, some bands that were like doing somewhat similar were really popular in the Quad Cities they caught wind of what we were doing and they just became this like network thing again. And we were like opening up a bunch of shows and the like psych rock bands were getting into us because like, once again, like if you're just not a fucking dickhead, you can work with a lot of people. They're, like, I don't know. I can't express how ditching the mentality of like, I only work in metal or I don't, you know, like that just <laughs> yeah. narrow minded view. Uh, you're going to go a lot farther if you just like, I don't know play the show like we one time we did gas Eden and feed fest probably not the best idea we we were the grindcore metal band on an entire festival of country bands <laughs> why we were asked to play no idea um we jokingly counter offered where i was just like a minute ago like don't ever do it for money but this is the one we're jokingly we're like let's ask for an astronomical amount that they'll just be like fuck this band and move on and then they gave it to us <laughs> and so <laughs> so we had to show them it was actually super awesome because this whole ballroom was filled with pe people 
the most amazing bluegrass band played right before us like props to them nice they were so fucking good um and then we get up there and within 30 seconds of our first song an entire room of like 300 people has just dissipated to (laughs) the front row of our friends that showed up from the scene and they're having a good time we're just like let's not even play the whole set let's just cut songs nobody's here we're just hanging out with our friends and then like mid set one of my pals comes up and he's like yeah definitely cut it short there's another show across town uh shut this down you guys just go headline over there and we'll just play last and that show was packed and everybody was fucking loving it so i don't know it's fucking fucking weird everything i just like see your opportunities um don't be so serious if a jokester you don't want to work with offers you something be like quadruple and i'll do it and then all of a sudden (laughs) i don't know i don't know but it's i don't know so then in terms of kind of like i guess the growth of of the bands like as you say like you've had this kind of network within sort of iowa and sort of like i guess from playing in bands in general kind of like a bit further afield in the united states but like from getting more attention on the band maybe like nationwide but like worldwide as well like when did you start to notice that more people were paying attention to what Closet Witch was doing? Um, it's always still really fucking surprising. Um, there's like, like this is odd that we're <laughs> doing this right now, to be honest with you. Um, the one thing that like super mind fucked us, do you know the band Cloud Rat? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We were on a podcast with uh, Rorick, the, their guitar player. And out of nowhere, he's like, so I was looking up y'all's lyrics. And first off, I'm like, I don't know if our lyrics are posted anything anywhere. And he just like fucking Googled that you could find, like, they're just on like, like lyrics X, Y, Z. Yeah. It's just like on there. Like who the fuck did this? So that was like (laughs) really weird, but it's not like ever to a point of like, yeah, people are talking about us. Like, nah, fuck that. It's really fucking weird when shirt orders are going overseas to places we've definitely never been um Hmm. i i would never be like oh my god i'm so sorry about my phone right now um uh i went earlier i was like yeah i don't need this and i threw it in the other room and now i just hear like (laughs) uh just uh anyway where was i at uh no never like i never think about it it's never like it's cool it's it's um it's a weird, 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 weird thing, uh, but beautiful. Mm. And I'm just really glad that, like, of all the bands, it's the ones where I'm, like, really close with the people I am in this band with. Um, honestly, like, the pandemic has, like, really crushed us. It's, like, hard to see each other. We're so spread mm. out, and so it's just smarter to stay apart. Um, yeah. And the weather has been just awful. Um, so it's just like I, I think that's like the most beautiful thing where it's just like yo this is like authentically four friends like doing what we like doing being loud and it, it's just fun to see that connection where like we, we'll go play a town that we've definitely never been to and they're like there's kids that were excited to see us there that's super yeah. fucking weird and it's also weird when you like in your ta- in your hometown especially in Iowa it's just like kind of like how i said before everybody's a network but everybody's like it's all in the same playing field so we're all friends mm. it's all peers there's no like 
this is the big whiz band it's all yeah. leveled out there's just you have to help each other out or there is no survival it's it's never going to be dog eat dog no one's you can't survive like that out here but like in these towns so like all of a sudden you're like on the other side of the country and you have kids that are hitchhiking throughout california which please don't ever do <laughs> But they're like, yeah, we hitchhiked from fucking L.A. to come to this fucking show. And it's just like, why? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But like, it's cool. It's cool. And then it's it's just I don't know. It's it's gotten to a point, I guess, personally, the last couple of years. Now I'm going to get dark. Um, It, it has kind of like psych a lot. Not like it has an effect on my performance now. Uh, I've been hmm. kind of dealing with some like pre-show anxiety, which like I really had some good ideas for 2020 and I didn't really get to, we, we literally were on, um, I believe it was day four of our first tour of a four month break. Mm. And then everybody was like, the country is shut down, go home. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like, we were, we already were on break four months before we had to now shut down for a fucking year. So we've been pretty Jones in to play a fucking show right now. But, mm. uh, yeah, it was just been like um, back in the day. It was just like yo, I was just the kid who played in Closet Witch, and it was just like no one even knew. Like, okay, first first off, what's this band? And, yeah, and so like that was cool to just not have any. I'm just solely doing it for me. But as it grew more for like bigger festival shows, but then it slowly came to like actually touring and actually like playing shows, like especially like during setup, like sound the sound check, quote unquote right before you play like i'm dry heaving left and right and so i've been mm. trying to like figure out a good good focus like we we did the i don't know if you're familiar with the band from illinois called meth the guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we did their cd release show and it was up on the stage and the bathrooms were all like really far away but you could also see the line pouring out for it and mm. i'm just like i know it's gonna come and I panic and I just like immediately found this like curtain and I just went open the curtain. And I just did it. And <laughs> I just puked all over the venues, like rack amplifier system. Oh, for the fucking PA. And it's just like, dude, I gotta like get this under control. We played with full of hell once the bathrooms were fucking uh, crap, like packed. You can get in just puke behind the amp just on the floor who fuck i don't know what to do i don't so like next time i'm just gonna have like a designated bucket but then the bucket the bucket's gonna be in the fucking van with us that's gonna be fucking gross that's not gonna last i'm gonna piss off three other people that i gotta deal with for weeks on end that ain't gonna work so i don't know it does have this like weird thing from that point of view that i'm working on uh, a little bit of a, like a not what you were expecting kind of answer but like yeah like no it, no, it no, no. A, little, little, a little honesty there it has a weird effect on you where before really had a lot of peace of mind about playing and now like once that once the show gets going though i easily check out it's really like the 15 minutes before i know i'm about mm. to start i'm having like a fucking meltdown yeah i don't i think like that's quite like more common than probably a lot of people kind of expect i think mm -hmm. especially within like sort of like the punk sort of diy world especially yeah. like when you're like touring around and go as you say like going to like new cities that you've never been to and things like that like there's there is that kind of like sense of anxiety and and the kind of stepping into the unknown i guess mm-hmm 
Yeah, I just don't but, uh, think a lot of people realize like it can develop over time too. I think hmm. that was kind of a shock for me where it was like, I've been playing out for a while, but it's just like social anxiety can like definitely attack you at different times for sure. So like that's been an interesting thing that uh, I personally within the band have been dealing with. I'm not 100% yeah. sure how the others feel. I know Royce for hmm. the most part and Molly are pretty fearless. Yeah. Molly does not give two fucks about anything <laughs> it's a beautiful and inspiring thing for sure it's just she knows who she is it's very very like easy to just like be like oh look at her okay that's like definitely the best part of like playing in this band together at least i have like three other fearless individuals to be like okay it's not just on me i got these guys who are gonna have yeah, my back yeah. and like they got my fucking back we've been doing this for so fucking long now like they know it's up. I know it's up. It's cool. And like, that's the reminder you got to give yourself as you're going through the uh, mental breakdown right before. You play. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of go, going back a little bit in terms of kind of where like the growth of the band sort of led from, like, as you said, like it started off as a kind of a bit of a jokey project and then more people started wanting to book it and things. And obviously to the point now where, like, as you say, it's your main sort of, like band so like when it got to the point of doing the the self-titled record obviously like that's a, a kind of like a body of work that is sort of well thought out and well structured it's kind of got the identity of what closet witch want is and wants to be sort of thing mm -hmm. so when you were kind of getting to that point of like doing that first record had you had like a bit more of like a band conversation of like, right, this is the direction we want to go in. It's going to be like, not just abrasive, but it's going to be fast. It's going to be X, Y, and Z. Was that a conversation that was had or did it just kind of progress nat naturally to the point where you were comfortable playing that sort of style? I don't know if we've ever had the conversation of like, this is what Closet Witch is, period. Mm. So I think uh, really what the answer is, is what you hear on each record is normally after years of touring with or playing shows with, or we went to a show after we played a show and we experienced A, B, and C, and mm. they all inspired us and gave us ideas to do this. So like a lot of the things right. like, we're like, um, for the self-titled record and a lot of our newer stuff we started playing with a lot of doom bands um right okay uh like it, it's weird how like doom and grind are like this weird hand-in-hand -hand thing i you would think yeah, they'd yeah, be yeah. like polar opposites opposite worlds but like i had said before uh the diy scene now is so like we are hand-in-hand -hand and we have to work together i i want to believe that's what it is at least um so like primitive man is one we've done a, a shit ton of shows with um fucking why can't i remember uh thou <laughs> sorry i'm just like why can't yeah. i remember uh so we were playing with them a shit ton and it just kind of like naturally was like oh shit did you hear that that'd be kind of cool like if we're doing all this spazzy shit and then all of a sudden we do that and like the polar mm. opposite world um there was another band we toured out to Fargo and played New Direction Fest. And there's a band called Comrades. And I want to say they're like a to the nail band, maybe. Okay. Um, but they were one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen live. And it was just like a soak. I don't know. That's that's what it is for us. It's just like 
we play a lot of shows and we watch a lot of bands. That's one thing I yeah. will take a lot of pride in. And like, you can challenge us on this. Uh, if we're booked on a fest, we're pretty much there. One, when you ask us to be there and definitely before the first band starts. And unless one of us is at work and is traveling separately, we are watching every fucking band we play. That's cool. And it's just like, not out of like, this is what is expected, but it's like, we can't miss what I can, I, I, I hate to like look at music like this, but like, as like, I can't miss an opportunity to learn something. I can't miss yeah. an opportunity also to like get into something new. And it's so asinine to just think the good bands play last. No, the good upcoming great bands you're going to hear about next year or the year after are playing fucking first. Oh yeah. You better definitely. get there first. And so like, I don't know. And like, those are the kids that are doing like shit where it's just, that's the mentality you need to go back to after you've been doing it for a while too. You need to hear fresh new minds approaching a new instrument to them because they're thinking about it where like years of experience has maybe uh, watered down or tainted your work and your mindset. And so it's nice to see, I don't know when, when some people are just like, that's just some new kids band. I ain't giving it. No, dude, fuck <laughs> you. Like go listen to that band. See what, <laughs> see what the fuck's up. They're doing something. So that is all the records the records are just like and i guess like where a lot of people are like it's it's a structured record but i remember literally writing songs the weekend before we went to record that record oh shit and so it's just like i i just remember relentlessly touring we would get home for like one or two weekends hash out more songs maybe record it on your phone and be like, mm. okay, uh, Molly, write some lyrics and uh, we'll see you at the studio. Like, it's just, that's kind of <laughs> how it was. It was brutal. Um, but it was a lot of just like listening to different bands. And we're, we're very fortunate to get on some really eclectic fests where it's just like, mm. I, I'd much rather any day of the week play a, a multi-genre festival versus strictly metal yeah all day all night it's just blast beats i love blast beats blast beats are the 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 my soul fire sound i don't want to listen to it for all day i'm not even that <laughs> like i'm not into yeah. it like that so um i love and am relieved when it's a a festival that is multi-genre that's so, cool so, yeah and then just in terms of like, again, going back to sort of, I guess, the quote unquote exposure of, of the band. So I was trying to write my brain before we got in this conversation of how I actually came across the the self-titled. And I think it was um, there was this like short run, like Facebook blog that would like always like post up like new releases and stuff. And I think they posted up. So that's how I came across you. But then... I think maybe so when did the self-titled come out i'm trying to i want to say 2018 but it, yes it's, i don't know i no, will say so... with 2020 getting chunked out i'm like a year behind and so it's, like, wait, it's 2021 <laughs> no we lost what so it's weird i want to say it was 2018 yeah so just yeah so just double check 2018 so then uh, roughly about a year later the hate five six video oh yeah appeared the hate five and, six video <laughs> well so the, the reason i bring it up is because obviously i was already a fan of of you guys but then because of that video 
there's a lot of my friends were starting to like pay attention or like this band is fucking sick sort of thing so like did you see a spike because of that video at all um actually if you want to get brutally honest the thing we saw out of that was fucking hatred that was oh, really oh wow that opened the floodgates it was awesome don't get me wrong there was so many people that crossed over that were like i'm inspired by this i like this mm. i support your band that was fucking cool it was super cool what sunny had to say and how he pushed us when he didn't uh that's another thing like this might piss some people off but he chunked us out of that voting system like he like straight up was like nope this is going on like i yeah. we never did like oh hey vote for our band to get on hate five six he was just like i'm doing this and so that was super fucking cool he also like tweeted and like i'm not i'm sorry first off i'm not a twitter board nor am i a snapchat <laughs> fella uh i don't know any of these but i know he like wrote a really i've seen it um yeah and he yeah. wrote a really nice thing about us on one of those plat one of those fancy platforms the kids use um <laughs> and so that was super fucking cool but then it opened the floodgates of just any white male that was threatened by a, a fucking girl with short hair screaming in a fucking metal band and then all of a sudden he's just like i don't know it, it was awesome and i was like very excited because also part of me was like oh hate five six fucking cool yeah but yeah. then it was just like anybody in their their even their grandpa was fucking mad at us <laughs> like um it's just like that same also like a lot of it's like people that just don't understand the classic is like well what do they have to be so mad about it's like that's Ugh. an interesting way of looking at it but okay i get yeah. you but really what it came down to was just frail male perspective of mm. just like you just have shit coming out of your mouth onto a keyboard well your brain onto a keyboard and you're just talking shit because you have nothing going on i, I don't know like not even trying to be mean but if you had a hobby you wouldn't even be here i mean like your yeah, hobby yeah. is literally just saying the shit but whatever i mean now i sound like my dad if you only had a hobby <laughs> <laughs> but uh i don't, I don't know it, it was a great experience but that alone um it was a bummer in some senses mm. like not trying to go too deep but like even well you, you can you can find all of our personal information by googling so yeah, it yeah. became like personal attacks on our own our own personal profiles and it was just like it went like we weren't even commenting it was just like it got posted to youtube that generated really fucking fast and then all of a sudden floodgate of messages to personal accounts to the band accounts to the whole nine yards at one point yeah. somebody tried to hack all of our stuff oh fuck. yeah so it was just like and then we made a whole joke about it that we were saying uh cory taylor from slipknot was pissed at us for <laughs> getting in rolling stone because like we had just like gotten featured in like rolling stone for something we were like oh it's cory taylor trying to hack our stuff right now and because he's pissed off fuck slipknot and so but whoever tried to do it was probably we were just like we'll troll them because now they definitely can't get in because we're yeah yeah we're cyber i didn't know i didn't realize that because yeah I've, to be fair like it's one of those things that obviously as a guy like you don't consider uh -huh. like the yeah, the impact it's gonna have sort of thing and I, I guess like like from your perspective obviously like 
I know you can't speak on Molly's behalf, but like, they're just a person that's in your band. Like, mm -hmm. so it's not any different. So you don't think that like until you're, not... you're on the road with them, it's a very naive perspective until you get there. And then I, mm. like I said earlier, I toured with a lot of country artists, and I was the lead singer and sole person is a woman and so like it's yeah. just like i don't know i will say that was another thing about kind of backtracking where it was like what was different about touring today versus then i only tour with men and now i i tour with women trans women uh men uh non-binary uh mm. and it has opened a world as like yeah, I was fucking stupid and didn't realize the real shit these people go through. And if you are saying that this doesn't exist, blatantly go fuck yourself because the, <laughs> yeah. the, the torture that my friends go through just like, just from even gas station trips, it's a whole nine fucking yards and it's eye-opening, it's fucking irritating, it's so disappointing and it's something that really just needs to be talked about like i'm glad we're talking about it right now but i really wish mm. you were talking with molly about it or yeah. any of my other friends that are like well this is my life and so now it's just like well that's my friend's life and that fucking sucks so anyway sorry like it's uh irritating it's it's a bummer no but it's because that's the thing like because obviously we exist in a world where like those things like the inclusion of like women non-binary trans etc is it's all we hope and like it to be all inclusive that it we kind of exist in like an echo chamber in some aspects and like just to kind of like go off what you were saying that happened with you guys in the hate five six video so uh are, are you familiar with many bands over here in the uk i want to be like yeah but i'm, I'm sure you're about to be like do you know so and so so like let's just no, no, see no, where we go from here that's cool so some of my closest friends uh, in a, well, two bands, one called Ithaca and one called Svalbard. Okay. And uh, this is maybe a couple of years ago now. One of like the big like metal publications over here in the UK did like an article of like women in music are like the new like aggressive voice. It was something uh -huh. along that line. And like the comments were oh, just yeah. like, oh yeah, like just, just verbal shit. And it's like, because they're my friends and like I hang out with them all the time, I don't see that side of things. But then you go on the internet and these people like verbally abusing your friends and it's just like, what the fuck? Uh -huh. It's just like, but I don't Yeah, as I say, we just like, unfortunately, like where you exist in an echo chamber, it's like kind of put blinkers on it to an extent, but it's, yeah, I it's one of those things that you just kind of want to go away. Yeah. It's, it's very disheartening how it just will continue. Um, especially online. I would say online is just this playground where people have no repercussions. You, mm, you can get yeah, Facebook definitely. banned for a couple of weeks. They don't fucking care. So they're going to go yeah. after you with whatever they want. Uh, it's just a bummer. It's just, it, it's, I think the most, apart from of course all of that it's just like when you when you have something really cool happen but it comes yeah. with this very <laughs> unique and obnoxious price of this floodgate of random people that don't like you and i mean it's just like, yeah, i don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know it's like i do i will say that like back in the day i'd be that typical piece of shit and be like this sucks but i would never go further than this sucks 
but now <laughs> today i'm not even gonna be like too often i mean it has to be so like but maybe they are just as mad now thinking about it. they just hear our stuff and they're like no it's just my react it's the same reaction i have to uh kong versus godzilla right now where it's like why are you doing this and it's like they hear closet witch and they're like no stop <laughs> and then they're typing stuff and angrier so maybe yeah i i can't talk if i'm mad about godzilla so if somebody's mad about closet which i guess you can type it out but it's a bummer where it's just like oh man we have this really cool thing can you just like let us have this cool thing please (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's it's uh it does affect certain we've made certain decisions based off stuff like that so um like actually a band from well i hate to now i'm gonna call myself before i i want to stay from your area and then you could be like dude no but like uh (laughs) venom prison like even when they like they like hit prosthetic and then boom they they went off like a fucking shotgun uh and i saw just all this like toxic negative it's Mm. all because of a female front and or a female band member in general period so that that article i i mentioned larissa was one of the main people that was focused that even came over here i well if if we're talking about the same thing then i definitely saw those yeah yeah it's just disgusting it's just yeah such a bummer well before we kind of go on to sort of like where closet witch is now i just want to kind of talk about your sort of work outside of the band like i know you do a lot of sort of design work and it kind of goes back to where we sort of started of your parents going you have to be an artist oh i know i know the fucking irony huh (laughs) (laughs) so like i don't know was where did like you kind of like want to flex that muscle again like and sort of do you have a specific style that you like to sort of draw (laughs) upon within the design stuff um sort of world so why i did it um the long story short i was in this the band i'm gonna call it the the band is called muldoon's clever girls that was the band mm. before closet witch right uh before royce our drummer joined that band uh the original drummer left he was the graphic designer dude he handled all that stuff when he left it was immediately like well i have a knowledge of art we need somebody to do it we can't afford to hire somebody to do it so I need to figure out how to do this stuff. So I started designing t-shirts very poorly and it quickly uh, grew. Uh, Did a bunch of merch for like different bands in the area. And I ended up landing a job in graphic design and I've been doing Mm. graphic design for about 10 years now. And (laughs) now I work for uh, a company, a small screen printing and sign company, but I pretty much do, um, I do wraps for race cars. So oh, all, cool. all the, like the crazy designs you see on that. Um, I do and it's just a bunch of random shit. It's all kind of like, it, you have to be really adaptive. So it's just like whatever idea comes in. I uh, do a lot of recreating stuff from like a logo from the 70s that hasn't been converted. Somebody happens to fucking have this logo. And for some <laughs> God reason, God unknown reason, uh, they want me to recreate it. So that's what I got to do. Um, so I've been doing that for a long time, but outside of that, I really enjoy, uh, vector style because a lot of my friends work in all like actual, like pen marker, like actual paper paint. Mm. Uh, I like everything digital. I love the idea of edit undo because I made a mistake. (laughs) 
Uh, that was <laughs> yeah. my why I hated art. I would make a line. You can't erase that fucking line. You still see it, even if you fucking erased it. It's still on that piece of paper. In digital, that shit's gone forever. I love that. <laughs> um, and I really enjoy doing, like, my personal style is uh, uh, I do a lot of Japanese, like, very cutesy very cartoony style stuff. If you if you're really letting me do it, it's gonna be very pop art and very okay, over the cool. top. Uh, I take a lot of influence from like whatever would be called like cutesy Japanese stuff. I I I have been able to do that for Closet Witch. You'll de- if you dig, you'll definitely see you'll know when they pop up like, oh he actually did this one like for himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's things where our style or imagery was a lot of like taking um just things from our childhood and just anything that was like kind of just I, there's a word for it that I'm drawing a blank right now but uh we do like a lot of I don't know I wouldn't call it memorabilia but it, we're like we have a princess mononoke piece we have a godzilla piece mm. we have like a multimedia of like different like childhood 90s stuff and there's a lot of like if you start digging you'll see a shit ton of anime references and pretty much everything That's cool. we do <laughs> Well, because I was going to say, because I can see in the background, you've got some sort of like comic yeah. books. Uh, so, yeah, this is my Twitch uh, backdrop. That's that's why I started doing um, now that like touring is not really an option. I stream with one of my other bandmates from another band. Uh, we started a Twitch channel to just like pass the fucking time because we can't meet yeah. up. And so, yeah, I, I read a lot of comic books and I watch a lot of anime and I play a shit ton of video games. Nice. Yeah, I just like nerdy things. I like sci-fi <laughs> a lot. Is there any particular game you're you're digging at the moment? Um, right now we're doing this thing um called Mix It Up, and we play these like we get a shit ton of bunch of games we've never played before, and a wheel spinner okay. goes. And last this week, sorry, uh, we played this game called We Were There, or We Were Here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was fucking awesome and we played through the whole game on our stream and i had a great fucking time with that um i really wanted to like cyberpunk but i can't get it to work so (laughs) i haven't been playing that i've been thinking about toying with the idea of like just attaching a stream and seeing how far i can get each time yeah yeah just breaks it's it looks like it would have been so much fun but yeah been playing that been playing too many games too many fucking games that's it like so i was tempted to get cyberpunk but then i just read so many bad reviews of it i believe if you don't have a five or a high peak like a peak tier pc i would suggest not getting it yeah yeah (laughs) so but i recently purchased um ghost of Tsushima, so that's my current that's on our list because there's like a co-op mode i guess yeah, um, they, I think they just released it like on the like latest. Yeah, so I, I really want to get a copy of that. We also got. I, I'm gonna have to look it up. I got my PlayStation here. It's called the uh, the Blackout Club. Is what we're gonna do oh, okay. next week. I'm really intrigued by that. It looks like a a couple of kids trying to investigate this like murder house, and so oh, okay. like, that sounds yeah, cool. it looks really neat. Um, I like the idea of games where it's like. I, I, of course, I like a game where you hand me, hand me a machine gun and we're going to town. But I like the idea of like a, <laughs> a game where it's like, no, you have a flashlight and you're like, you're running. Like, it's not really a, yeah, a fight yeah. game. It's more of a flight. Um, but yeah, I we play a lot of games. It's fun. I like horror games. I like, That's cool. I like stuff. 
<laughs> well, just in terms of like things currently, well, current-ish with Closet Witch, obviously most recently kind of did the, the four-way split. And the reason I kind of, I'm going to single one band out just purely because I think there are bands that Ooh. are of note, but Race Traitor, obviously the bands that I think like, Tim, are we getting juicy? What are we talking about here, Tim? Well, no, no, but I just like, (laughs) they're one of those bands that I think are really underrated, but mean so much to like so many people. Mm -hmm. So, like, for you, like, how, first of all, like, I wanted to get, like, how did the kind of concept of the split come about? And, like, I don't know, like, am I thinking too much in the terms of, because I hold Race Traitor quite high in quite hard regard. So, if I was in a band doing a split with them, I'd be like, fuck i'm on a split with race trade or something so was was that kind of the vibe um i will say that at first it was a little bit of a surreal like whoa okay um let's do this first off uh what happened was we played kim kelly first off um Hmm. god bless her soul i know there's some mixed feelings about kim kelly i don't really know a lot of the deep down details all i know is she has done a lot for us and that's all i'm gonna say if you can correct me come correct me um <laughs> uh but god bless her soul she wrote a bunch of really great stuff for us on uh i want to say she was working for noisy at the time yeah and that was super cool and that was like a before the full length came out it was like our split with youth she did a, a little write-up for us that was very sweet uh, it was well before we were anything. So that was our first little, like, ooh, tee hee hee, Kim Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was so nice. Uh, the, she invited us to come play Black Flags over Brooklyn. Uh, one of the headlining bands was Race Trader. Uh, Don Raid is another, actually, from, uh, pardon me, you can correct me, I believe, from your area. Very good friends of mine. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. Their like first tour, like that, we played Legs with them and Dogma when they first came. Uh, over here because they were part of, we were all part of uh halo flies uh saying uh, of course, all yeah, of yeah, us yeah. and then cloud rat before halo closed up shop that was like the the family um yeah. so sorry i lost my train of thought we played with them at that and we we played the show and then they emailed us and we're like hey do you want to do this and at first we were like super fucking stoked and everything was going really well and then it it kind of just had hit wall after wall and that's where like my my feeling towards it was like oh this is only because it was so many obstacles Mm. in through it wasn't the the actual like it just sort of deflated because it was just so rough and now like it took two years to get out and like i I just now got my copy like i want to say like last month and it was just like oh wow looking at it and being like whoa (laughs) just like (laughs) just like okay okay cool um it is surreal it's really neat uh the bummer is i can't really be like oh us and race trader blah 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 there really wasn't any like uh formal connection before that uh it was the first split that we did with somebody that we actually hadn't like had a a real previous relationship with um so that was a little bit of bummer i i wish honestly all four bands had the opportunity to get together and kind of like really know one another before we did that would be my only um, shout out on that. And it was just a a very painful two years in a way 
uh because like <laughs> yeah. everybody had their stuff done like two years before and it was like really out of everyone's hands of why it kept like running into issue after issue and then finally just like mm. okay yes like it's done so it's it's this weird piece to look at now of like instead of that like yeah i get that oof look <laughs> <laughs> but no it's super cool um i'm glad it's out i love the format i've always wanted to do a double seven inch four-way split mm. i thought that was that's cool. cool i'm glad that out of all the um obstacles we went through at one point it was talking about cutting that and luckily that was something that got to stay and i'm i was really fucking amped about that that's cool and obviously another thing that you kind of done recently which i think is quite interesting for like which in, in the grand scheme of things like a younger band but like you obviously done you've compiled like a discography of like everything you've done so far mm-hmm. so what was the reasoning behind it because obviously like i know you've done sort of various splits and also you've got the self-titled full length and as you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation like you're working towards the next one so why the the desire to put out a discography um that really came down from a moment of collapse records who mind-blowingly since like i want to say like our first real like i'm pretty sure we have worked with them as far as like when we finally started reaching out to labels to get some assistance i'm pretty sure they've been with us since day one Mm. and so that guy our relationship is just like that's how we like working with labels it's a very 50 50 right down the middle like it's all i we we do not sign contracts. I will never sign a record label as far as I know of. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's going to have to be something or special, I guess. But the, we've been offered things and it's just like, this doesn't seem right. I would rather just like cut it down the middle. You get your cut. I get my cut. And we sell what we have and we're good together. And like, we're working together. That's true. Rather than like doing this weird, like, I sell you the record, you print the record, you hand yeah, me X yeah. amount of whatever, maybe if you give me that. And so just like, I'd rather, we've never found an interest in it. So um, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> I trailed off. Just, just, like, just sort of like, what, like what was the desire to kind of do it? Oh, in, work with metal. Oh, I'm sorry. The moment of collapse. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, sorry. I trailed off to a different reason. Uh, <laughs> the 50, 50 thing. Um, it was just really like, he approached us he was like i did this for cloud rat and it was another reason was he wanted to put it in a digipack on a cd and um we hadn't printed cds since uh like ergot black salt dropped and those were like just cdrs we made we had actually never made a cd uh it's always tapes or or records um so he was like do you want a digipack with a cd and we're like well shit you know nothing has been actually released on a cd the full length has never been released on cd that's only vinyl and tape Mm. and so it seemed like a good idea but like that was another reason why uh i went through and quote unquote remixed and remastered everything uh to give it kind of a little bit more of an extra bite but also to like to be like okay it's not just everything repackaged again it's like yeah a different revisited version of those mixes um and moment of collapse was like we're just gonna do it and we're just gonna send you this and was just like he's 
so kind to us like really was just like i just want to like make this record because i have a, i get people asking for it so like let's make it and i'll do it so that's that's how that went about excuse me i'm sorry um and just moment of collapse circus like a lot of these different little labels have just been like it's well i i don't really see a need or a reason to like need another label if these guys want to keep working on why break what yeah, works yeah. you know so like honestly if somebody approaches us with an idea we're pretty open to it um especially since we had the time like i said uh before we t- that happened like right before we were touring for when covid hit before covid hit and we had that four months off so i was like oh perfect i'll just remix everything and send it his way and then that became another nightmare where like that also had the four-way split tracks on it and then that split was we thought kept, right, was gonna yeah, keep getting yeah. printed and moment of collapse is also a part of the four-way split and it just became this like oh boy what do we what do we do here so it was just uh, <laughs> very interesting and then as soon as everything drops it's like by the way pandemic <laughs> <laughs> And just before like I kind of wrap things up, I think it's quite interesting you say with the the full length that it's it never had a CD release; it was only on vinyl. And we like I wasn't actively seeking out the record, but I was in Berlin of all places, and there's a little record store that I go to. Do not every time say what you're about to fucking say. Are you fucking serious, what? dude? No, I'm gonna let what, you. You finish your story because I'm about to be like, no, no, no. Maybe I'm filling in words here. Hold on. No, no, no. So there's a record store that I go to every time I'm in in Berlin. And as I do, just flicking through, boom, there is the self-titled. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. That's that's fucked up that's that's fucking crazy okay when you're like do you know about this like that's fucking crazy right there i was going on like, lyrics xyz has our lyrics on it and then you're like your album's in berlin like oh <laughs> that's fucking crazy cool so yeah that's that's where i picked up your well obviously i listened to it digitally but that's where i picked up my that's my physical copy of I, it. i'm so curious how that copy ended up there that's that's the wild world of everything right now <laughs> like uh yeah i think that's more surreal where all these records do get shipped out to who knows where at who yeah. and so yeah um i have a friend in japan that was like posting a bunch of stuff and then all of a sudden our records on her shelf and it's like oh my god with like the jap okay okay i'm gonna nerd out for a minute if you want to talk about times where it was like (laughs) what where you have those like japanese stickers yeah oh man give me some japanese stickers on my record (laughs) i'm fucking stoked but yeah yeah no it's it's fucking crazy it's fun it's fucking weird that's cool well before i kind of let you go obviously i know sort of like times are a bit weird at the moment and you've kind of mentioned sort of work is in sort of some progress towards the next record so like what's the kind of vibe that you guys are going for with the new stuff or is it still very much in its kind of embryonic stages at the moment um so here's the juicy deets tim i'll give it all to you so what was going to happen was we actually had two splits uh lined up and then we were going to do an ep uh the other two bands unfortunately with covid going on have since disbanded because oh shit um one was um Krupskaya from well Krupskaya is technically not disbanded but has not been able to get together so that is in a limbo of sorts mm. and then um oh my god now i'm gonna be a real jerk and just forget their fucking band name out of fucking nowhere <laughs> this is what happens when you're smoking on uh, anyway so <laughs> 
that those two bands have since uh gone off the shelf and so we already recorded all the material and we already recorded the ep as well so now what's going on is taking all these different sessions unfortunately and we're trying to mix them all together to a coherent record um whelm is the other band with a dude from it follows that cat that band's fucking awesome that was the other band that's what we does to you, dude. Fucking, you forget all your friends' bands. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, fucking, so right now, we have cut everything up, and we have it, what we like to believe is a really good cut of the record. The truth is, um, you know, with not touring and not being able to play shows, shows for us is very therapeutic. Mm. And I think, like, the drive, like, it's been dissipating. And, like, right unfortunately with the weather where we play and practice uh there is no heat so right now okay. we had a i don't know if it was technically a polar vortex but it's been in the negatives here so it's just kind of no point to playing until it warms up actually i think our first practice is going to be sunday um so okay cool really pumped about that but uh we just kind of put the record on the back burner because it got to a point where i was like i was listening to it like every day and like you get to a point of like oh my god like the first time you hear it you're like this is cool like this sounds really good and now we're at a point of like i hear not good anymore Mm. so like i honestly haven't listened to it in a couple months just to like step away have a reset and we actually go in the studio this wednesday to uh do a bunch of quick tracks so actually after we're done with this call is where i'm going to listen to the record for the first time and months and just make my final notes and finally get that out i'm really excited i want to say that it still holds its abrasive sound but i want i will admit i think it loses some of the math core elements that people mm. did enjoy um that's something where the mentality of splitting it up to those three different records we wanted like those quick like just one side of a seven inch blast yeah but now we're taking all those and compressing it into one. So it's 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 grind fucking heavy. I'll just say it's blast fucking heavy for sure. Like maybe too blast heavy. I'm not 100%. But the cool thing is we have a, a bunch of friends that did a bunch of guest spots on it. So there's a bunch of like really cool elements in there that we like one wouldn't probably do live. Uh, and two, like it's just having your friends on a song. We haven't hmm. we've never done that before. So we had a bunch of like guest instruments and vocals added and some like real sweet treats that i can't tell you quite yet tim i wish i could but i don't want to tell (laughs) anybody until we're like really ready but there's some really cool folks on it that like i'm i am super excited about that so it'll come out eventually i think it's in its final uh stages we also recorded a a collaborate collaboration record i'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with the band called the central from Okay, first off, write that down real quick and check out the band from Madison, Wisconsin called The Central. Because they are, if you like, are you a math guy? Are you like the math? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're in for a sweet fucking treat. It will change cool. your fucking world. But the two of nice. uh, two bands got together. We wrote, we made, a, set up a recording studio, wrote and recorded a, a, like a seven minute EP together in three days. And awesome. that's another thing that'll be hopefully coming out soon i'm hope i don't know like it just with this pandemic it seems like it's hard to get uh the balls really rolling on some things yeah so yeah i think we're in a little bit of a limbo 
September. <laughs> I see like a bunch of people like DIY tour posting. Uh, it's a Facebook group here, and well, I guess Facebook's accessible from. I don't know. Are, we, are you? Yeah, you can be in a group in the United States. Yeah. You can be in the same <laughs> yeah. group. So uh, they were like saying, uh, "We're you can start booking shows for this fall uh, when summertime hits." And I'm sitting here like, I think that's not a cool, who made that call? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like torn as to like when we're really going to get going again. So I don't know, but we're going to earn back up. We lost our stamina, so we need to get that back. And then <laughs> we were talking about like revisiting some old songs and maybe like, maybe like tr- brushing up some parts and like, you know, bring them back live. We're, we have a tendency of like, as far as being a live band, like whatever you see us playing is more than likely the record we're about to record. Right. And okay. so it's not like, I, we're not a band where it's like, hey, can you play this song? Because we're going to be like, probably not because we haven't practiced that in four years because we wrote <laughs> it four years ago. But uh, yeah, I mean, like we just, we make it work, but I'm super stoked. There's some really good tracks. Um, if you want a little tidbit, Rorick accidentally played a really really good track on that last podcast and we we uh we didn't quite mean for him to play that but there was a little sneak (laughs) sneaky sneaky in there but it's it's i like that song a lot so i'm super excited awesome well what you've just said might kind of not be plausible in terms of my my closing question so how i always kind of round things up is i ask my guests what their favorite song is but with a bit of a twist so what's your favorite closet which song that you like oh. to play live and why oh what's my favorite song to play live and why funeral regrets is fucking awesome yeah uh because i get to do this like <laughs> and i get to like just shake my guitar and so that's when like it gets really not violent but it gets a little crazy and i don't have to uh worry about my parts so much so i like playing that song and it's a little mathy at the beginning it has this weird count into these two sections so i have to get really uh in sync with our drummer royce and it, it's fun i really like that but uh live for me to be honest like one real quick as far as like what closet which songs do i actually like i'm not sure if i'd ever really be a fan of my own band i'm not sure i'd ever like <laughs> listen to that record and be like that was good we just like do our own thing so like that's why i like doing it but um as far as uh my favorite song to play, Funeral Regrets, is really great. I have I have a really good time with that one. Perfect. Brilliant. Well, Alex, thank you very much thank for, you so for much, your time and, and coming on. Hopefully we hear new music from you guys. I'm hoping this year. I, I want to say this year. Uh, it's right on the cusp. I had our last day this Wednesday, and I think it, I really believe it gets shipped off to Audio Siege, <laughs> hopefully before the end of the month. Perfect. But yeah, Alex, thank you very much for your time. And yeah, I hope everything awesome. goes on the straight and narrow soon. <laughs> <Sooner> <laughs> I hope later. so too. I hope so too. Thank you so much, Tim. Perfect. Cheers. Take care. Yeah. You too, man. So there we have it, folks. Again, a massive thank you to Alex for taking some time to have a little chat with me. As always, you can keep up to date with what Closet Witch are doing by visiting all their various social media platforms. Uh, as mentioned in in the chat, hopefully we'll have new music from the band sooner rather than later. So keep your eyes peeled for when that happens. Um, just a brief one before I kind of let you go. As mentioned in last week's episode, we've announced that the charity we'll be supporting in the charity sampler will be uh, Heads Above the Waves. 
we'll be hopefully having a chat with uh, one of the members of them soon but obviously please go make yourself familiar with that charity that organization um all the final sort of details of the sampler are kind of finished now so we'll hopefully have that up. well the plan is to have that up on april 1st so keep your eyes on that and if you've got spare pound dollar whatever it is that Bandcamp charges you on please chuck it our way or the charity's way um because every little helps and all that um also working on another project which i'm hoping to get done for the first week of april as well so keep your eyes peeled on that on all our social media platforms uh we're just underscore and underscore insight on facebook twitter instagram all that lovely stuff anyway as always whether this is the first time you're listening to us or the 184th time listening to us thank you very much if you can rate, subscribe, review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, it really does help. I know you hear it all the time, but there's a reason people say it. Anyway, that is it from the Justin Insight podcast. Thank you again for joining us, and I will see you soon. Bye.